right. So we got, we're back. I'm back. Strickland. I'm back. <laughs> the back freight guy. The, the freight, freight guy. Back. The freight guy's back. Freightonomics, <laughs> I'm so far away. Freightonomics, we're back. We're back. So, Anthony, I watched, I'm going to be honest, I only watched the first 10 minutes of the show last week. <laughs> Mainly because I was busy, yeah. you know, up in the mountains of Colorado, skiing mm-hmm. and watching it snow and watching trucks get stuck on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, as it snowed heavily on I-70. You know, I learned a lot. Market analysis yeah. from the mountains. Yeah, a lot about that. Well, welcome to Freightonomics. Yeah. It's good to be back. Welcome um, back. Sort of. I did enjoy skiing. Yeah. But uh, this is the show where we combine freight market analysis. And the economy. And the economy. And because a lot of people out there really don't have a lot of insight into what's going on in both uh, you know, we try to bring it together and make it relatable, understandable, uh, figure out what's going on in the economy, how it is impacting the overall freight market, anybody involved in brokerage, trucking, or just transportation in general. Yeah. Uh, we try to target, you know, people that are, you know, on the executive level and the mid-level and the low levels, you know, out there in the weeds, getting it done, as well as the high-level executive that's yeah. concerned about the overall direction of the freight market and the economy. And, you know, today's episode is pretty jam-packed. Yeah, I mean, um, I know last week was a little bit of a departure from what we're, we're our series that we're doing. Um, one of the things that I outlined is really something for everyone. And, and in this series, we're really building up. We're setting down a, a, a platform, a foundation yeah. of what a lot of the, the freight basics are and the economic It's like the, the how stuff works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or the freight market or the exactly. freight or transportation in general. Uh, I know it took me a while back in the day to kind of get my head around a lot of these concepts. And sometimes you get stuck in these, uh, in these sections and you don't, you, you know your section really well, but you yeah. don't understand what's going on outside of your little silo or your building or your, you know, your division. That you have something to do with trucking, transportation, things like that, but you don't necessarily get to see all of it. Right. And so this hopefully gets you guys prepared for, you know, encountering just about anything and also gives you a little bit of a broader economic view, yeah. you know, about what's going on in the your surrounding market. We yeah. all get kind of pigeonholed at time to time. I used to do the same thing. I used to sit there and, you know, think, well, I just need to hit this button here yeah, yeah. and get this done. But that doesn't, that didn't really do me any good after the first week after I mastered it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took me a week to master hitting the button. <laughs> um, quick learner. Yeah. And yeah, real fast. Um, and then, you know, I would encounter something else that would be confusing. So yeah. uh, this week we are going to target the spot market. Yeah. Uh, some people may or may not understand what that is. We'll go through that. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about how it can give you insight into the overall market, how it measures the freight market in general, transportation, the economy even. Uh, there's all relations. We're going to have Tom Mallon come on. No way. Tom Mallon. He's not here. He is. So okay. he's our futures expert. Yeah. Um, and he has also been in, you know, he worked in NYMEX. He's got all sorts of financial yeah. market yeah. <laughs> intel. A true market expert. Yeah, he is. He's he's definitely the real thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from uh, what we're accustomed to here, he worked in the futures uh, exchanges up in New York. He lives in New York. Yeah. Um. So he he's he's going to come on here in about twenty ish minutes or so. But first off, we're going to lead you down. You know what we feel are some of the top stories of the week that are impacting the overall freight market and economy in general. Um, Anthony, we just had, uh, the CAS release for the yeah, month. Yeah. And also we're all, we're, we're streaming right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm actively looking, if you see me looking down, I'm looking at the, the oh. comments on LinkedIn and YouTube. So 
if you want to chime in, feel free to comment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Zach, you're back. Um, <laughs> and we're always going back and forth. I'm a lot of times overly optimistic. And I'm real. I'm happy that you're here to bring <laughs> some joy. So our first topic, our first story. Yeah. The cast index release. The good news. What is it? Uh, it was one of the worst releases oh, in geez. multiple years. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to temper this a little bit. OK, so the cast index, for those that you don't of you that don't know, uh, this is pretty widely used uh, industry measure in general. Um, it tells you basically how much volume is moving through. They represent about $28 billion of freight spend, and it involves about 50% truckload. The other half is a mix of parcel, intermodal, uh, and LTL. Yeah. Uh, so they're an invoicing company, and they've turned this all these invoices into an index that represent uh, spend, volume, and various levels on multiple uh, fronts. So the shipments index, the one that I think a lot of people are familiar with, this is the one that measures overall freight volume. Uh, hit a multi-year low. Uh, it was the lowest January since 2017. Now, traditionally, those of you that are familiar with CAS will know that January is traditionally the lowest um, level that the CAS shipments index hits every single year. Yeah. And that's because January is miserable and depressing. Yeah. That, was, that was one of the first things we jumped <laughs> off with with Freightonomics was how you felt about January. But I yeah. don't like it. Um, <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you know, this January was the lowest we had since January of 2017. Now, Anthony, can you tell me, was this January better or worse than January of 2017? I'm going to go with that. This January was worse. Nope. It was slightly Look at that. better. Look at that. See, here. I knew you were going to bring us some good news. I'm the optimist this I week. knew you were going to bring <laughs> us some good news. I knew it. Look at who's the pessimist now. <laughs> uh, only slightly better. Uh, not even a percent better, but it was it was better than January of 2017. For those of you that aren't familiar with the freight market in 2017, early part of 2017, we were in sort of a freight recession still. Uh, we had some signs that things were recovering uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, at just like we do in 2019, yeah. uh, coming out of a pretty rough year for uh, anybody involved in transportation outside of the shipping side, which probably had a pretty decent year. Although, to our point in general, uh, when transportation isn't having a good year, generally the shipping side isn't having a good year either right. because that means they're not shipping as much freight, right? which means they're not making as much money doing the things that they need to do. Exactly. And we'll get into a little bit more of that a little bit later, but the CAS index uh, also tracks expenditures. And expenditures, again, multi-year low, not quite as bad as the cash shipments. We're looking at about September of 2017 since we hit this point. But the direction doesn't look great. Again, expenditures measures, on average, how much the spend is overall. It's an index. It looks like a rate per mile. Um, and, it, you know, it's it's trending downward, and it took a sharp turn in January. This is more representative of contracted freight uh, spend as well contracted that contract compared to spot right which we will get into here shortly yes um when this is going down it's representative of you know bid cycles have come through normally you see a lag in this Mm -hmm. versus the overall freight market so expenditures trend up for a while even through like a softening period because people will accept rates on their bid cycles and they will stay up for a year because the traditional bid cycle is about 12 months or a year when shippers say Hey, carriers bid on this freight. Yeah. They will lock in rates for 12 months. So to get through that cycle, 
and then get downward pressure on rates. Again, that's resistant. Yeah. So it'll be a little bit longer before rates start to kind of come down like they are right now. Yeah. And we just had a full 12 months of softening uh, in the freight market. So it's not that surprising to see this number come back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still not down to where it was in 2016. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which again, costs have come up. We've, we've covered this in numerous podcasts already. 2016 in the freight industry. That was, uh, it wasn't good. Oh, see, there we go. It wasn't good. Back to, back to the Zach. I know. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Uh, but yeah. And your industrial economy was a big driver of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the industrial economy, yeah, was really faltering in 2016 and a lot, uh, going into 20, uh, 20 and a lot throughout the middle to end of 2019. Right. So, you know, everybody's been talking about the coronavirus. I haven't heard of it. Yep. So the coronavirus for those of you like Anthony, who have no idea what this is and have been living under a rock. Yes. Or maybe in Iowa. (laughs) um, This is a coronavirus is a is a a virus group of viruses, I should say. The SARS virus was a coronavirus uh, they just didn't have enough time to name it yeah. <laughs> when it when it blew up over in the uh, Wuhan, which is in the Hubei province of China, has now impacted lots of uh, Chinese factories. The economy over there is struggling. Uh, again, China, not the most transparent of countries. Yeah. Maybe a surprise to most people. Yeah. Sarcasm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, ch- yeah, the Chinese economy is kind of faltering, but also most of our goods come from China. Yeah, good part uh, of it. Yeah. A lot of them come from it. Do you know the number on that? How many, what percentage of our, I let's just go with retail. Retail, I don't. I feel have, like retail is a pretty strong. Yeah, it's a big number for, especially for goods that come from China. Um, I don't know the exact number. It's going to be your Targets, your Walmarts, your, you know, even Home Depots, your furniture. Mm-hmm. Lots of furniture comes from China. Yeah, and sometimes there's even processes where we will have the raw material sent over to China. Exactly. Get assembled then come back and quite a operation (laughs) to get a couch or furniture put together. Yeah. It's, it's funny that the cheap labor costs can really drive a lot of that. You know, we have all these raw materials, but we're so expensive. You and I couldn't go and put together a piece of furniture because it's too expensive. Yeah. It'll take us too long. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't do it. Don't want to do it really. Um, but uh, you know, as the as the coronavirus, you know, it seems like it may be plateauing a little bit here mm-hmm. in terms of its expansion. But we're not going to see the impact of that in the freight market uh, until here in the next few weeks or so. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't see that until the initial wave of that because we had Chinese New Year. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this. If you guys watch any of our Freightways media, Freightways Nows, uh, on the spots, um, any of these, you know, all the podcasts, what the truck. Uh, all that kind of stuff, you're going to have heard about this coronavirus and you're going to know that we're not really anticipating it hitting uh, the United States freight market for another week or so, at least the initial impact. And a lot of that's still going to be murky mm-hmm. because of Chinese New Year. Yeah. So yeah. and the reason for that is because that takes about, you know, if they're at their fastest, 12 days mm-hmm. to get across the ocean. Yeah. Normally it takes about 17 to 21 because yeah. they make multiple stops, et cetera. But also we had Chinese New Year. The production cycle itself takes another couple of weeks, so there's a lag in impact. So these factories that were shutting down at the end of January are now coming back online, or they were trying to come back online, but nobody could get there because they're all sick or quarantined. Right, right, right. yeah. (laughs) So they can't ramp up. Yeah. So this happened in, like, you know, the first week of February. Yeah. Again, 
They go back to their factories. They get settled in. Production ramps up. Inventory comes online. And then it takes them another while to get it to the port, Mm -hmm. another little bit to get it across the ocean, et cetera. Well, we just watched, we track here, the Freitos Baltic uh, Exchange. Indeed we do. Yeah. yeah, From China to North America's West Coast. And the rates plummeted Mm -hmm. this last week. Mm -hmm. So what do you think that means, Anthony? I'm, I'm guessing there's not as much stuff. Yeah. Crossing those seas. I mean, they dropped off a cliff. Yeah, that's it was, what I would yeah. It was pretty bad. Um, the So, again, if you think about these are spot rates mm-hmm. of moving 40-foot containers coming across the ocean. Uh, they fell roughly about $150 yeah. uh, per container, which, again, pretty significant mm-hmm. uh, in the overall historical aspect uh, of things. And you don't ne- necessarily see that kind of movement unless there is a dramatic over uh, overstatement of rates yeah. the maritime shippers they set rates at the beginning of the month yeah and they actually have set those 30 days in advance yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah it's not that shocking that they overstate because they set the february rates beginning of january mm-hmm. <laughs> so they implemented these rates and now they are just falling off a cliff because yeah. they're thinking everybody's coming back online yeah the coronavirus yeah. back then wasn't a huge thing right Coming, coming down pretty strong, uh, so they're trying to incentivize some of these shippers to ship whatever they can across the ocean yeah. to fill up those ships. And so what that means, the ports of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Long Beach, the biggest in the in the United States, New York, New Jersey, again, is going to be two weeks after this. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing some rumblings early on that this may not be a great march, at least for anybody that's shipping these retail shipments. Yeah. And there is some optimism. There's a little bit of optimism. I don't think I'd ever hear you say that. Yeah. Uh, You know, and in the way that, you know, we're thinking that, and I think our next uh, story of the week, which is Old Dominion Mm -hmm. earnings, which happened about 11 days ago or so, we got that report. Uh, Old Dominion, obviously the biggest, or the, I guess not the biggest, but the, uh, I guess, most well-regarded LTL company. Gold standard. Yeah, the gold standard, if you, the platinum standard. Yeah, we talked about it on our, our trailer talk, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of, of LTL in the country. Um, and they re- they actually talked significantly about, you know, coronavirus mm-hmm. maybe hurting this, you know, especially on the industrial economy side. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also they referenced it in the, uh, I think Stiefel mm-hmm. also referenced it in their guidance for the second quarter. But they think that maybe this is going to create some sort of bottleneck. Yeah. And it's going to buckle. So yeah. you're going to see this troughing mm-hmm. into expansion, like rapid expansion. Yeah. As yeah. everybody gets back to where they're supposed to be and you're going to see this big bubbling. Yeah. I personally don't think that's the case mm-hmm. uh, just because I've watched this type of stuff before. Yeah. Whatever production you lose, you typically lose. Yeah. Uh, we lost, uh, we lost power or I should say connectivity at my old job, Mm -hmm. uh, for two days. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't come back. (laughs) Those bills, they went somewhere else. It wasn't, wasn't a, it wasn't demand waiting for you guys. No, they didn't, they didn't sit there and wait on us to get it back online. It literally just disappeared. They found something else and we never recovered it. And it had a huge impact to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, it's going to have some sort of lulling, mm-hmm. and we just won't get it back. Okay. Uh, which, again, you're talking about 1% to 2%. Mm-hmm. Not a huge impact, but at the same time, big enough because everybody's okay. already struggling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't have made a difference in 2018 like it does in 2020. Right, right. Where there's a lot 
more each time you lose a little bit. And yeah, so, they don't. They don't just. They don't just recover all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, unless we in America are just. We got to have our LOL surprise dolls or our. We need those. Our oven or whatever that uh, the you know the pressure cookers. Oh, those those. <laughs> ticking time bombs in your kitchen that you just walk by yeah Yeah, it doesn't happen so um but old dominion again comes out this is not now this may be your turn to be a little Mm -hmm. pessimistic Mm -hmm. because old dominion comes out and does what um they well they had a drop and you know as one of the things that you mentioned was with old dominion um one of the things that they cited i know they cited weak industrial economy but they also cited the the coronavirus right Mm -hmm. and so i think one of the things that you touched on was um, the impacts from the coronavirus and what that's going to mean for freight. Um, so but b- before jumping into the e- the industrial side, I think on the corona aspect, um, what we're seeing in China, I think one of the things you mentioned, it, it it's timed out at the same time with uh, the Chinese New Year. Right. And so we're going to we expect to see that production. I think the other aspect that a lot of people aren't talking about is that during the Chinese New Year, that's also a very big consumption time, right? right. So for those uh, Chinese consumers, and so they're not lot, consuming. They're not consuming, <laughs> yeah. and and and, uh, and Chinese China is a different country than the United States. How so? Well, <laughs> <laughs> how much time do we have? No, no, we don't have enough time. <laughs> um, but but one of the things that we see is that they can do things at a state level that isn't happening here on the U.S. on a day to day basis, and so right. they can do certain quarantines, but they're. I think right, right now what we're seeing in China is self-quarantine. People are scared themselves. The, the government doesn't have to say don't go outside. You know, mm-hmm. They're staying inside preemptively. And so I think we're seeing a, a, see a lot of um, a big drop-off in Chinese consumption. And I think that's, we're going to see those um, when we start to see quarterly uh, reports for maybe those luxury goods mm-hmm. um, that they would typically buy. Because as we know, China's grown in the last decade a huge Quite upper a middle class. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to see a big drop off in many of those luxury brands when we see those um, those those results for those quarter end. Now let me ask you this real quick, Anthony. So, you know, and I'm and here I'm actually the optimist this this time. Yeah. Again, so China over the last year, the trade war and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff reduced a ton of imports. Yeah. Again, still the biggest importer by, by a mile, yeah. country mile, but. Yeah. Still, a lot of that sourcing went to Vietnam, Malaysia, India, other things like that that, we, that we've been tracking. Um, so, you know, we were just starting to get back on track with them with some agricultural, yeah, you know, the phase yeah, one deal, yeah. et cetera, that had not gone into place yet. So is it actually a positive that we had some of this reduction um, in trade volume with this country? It like Almost it softens the blow this year a little I bit? Mean, it, it could soften the blow because I think many of those uh, manufacturers or, or business owners that were already looking for alternatives, mm-hmm. maybe they're already kind of like, hey, I got my eyes on South America mm-hmm. as a closer, you know, st- still um, affordable, yeah, affordable labor, um, as you mentioned, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So I think that may keep pushing but like you said it's still a large still huge partner yeah. um compared to everyone else just because they, they have such resources that there's not going to be able to match human that. resources yeah <laughs> exactly and so um but yeah i think when we look at china if they report the numbers um, right. <laughs> i don't think we're going to see a very large uh impact coming on from the uh uh the gdp side and so um but yeah on on the in- industrial segment uh old dominion reporting um, the industrial economy has been very weak. Uh, and it's still not showing signs of recovery. Not showing signs of recovery. And one of the 
most recent data points that showed a little bit of a sign was the ISM PMI, Purchasing Managers right. Index. It popped up over 50 for the first time, I think five, six months. That was right. a huge talking point. But there's still a ton of headwind. And it's also just one month. Just one month. Yeah. Um, with the, the trade uncertainty still, mm-hmm. um, the recent developments with the corona, mm-hmm. um, those are all going to present headwinds. Right. The, and the weakness that we saw in the last uh, GDP was a lack of business investment. Right. And so when we're not seeing a lot of business investment, um, we're also not going to see a lot of um, goods on the manufacturing side that's going to be spurred on that mm-hmm. by that. And so that's also going to uh, impact freight volumes as well. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a pretty, we're just going to see this extended period of, of softness in the overall freight market. Now, our, our outbound tender volume index, which tracks a bunch of, uh, you know, truckload movements, it's very weighted towards truckload. It does not have LTL shipments or parcel like the CAS index does, uh, nor intermodal. Um, now, it's been relatively positive year over year uh, in terms of overall movement. A lot of that was derived from reefer volume. Uh, strength. Yeah. Um, we have seen that kind of start to fall off, but we're still doing pretty well overall. Uh, we have, you know, we do have other things like tank and intermodal. It's, it's in there. Mm-hmm. It's just not a strong percentage of it. Yeah. Uh, some of those things have really started to pick up here in the last week or so, um, taking up for some of this dry van softness that we're accustomed to seeing this time of year. Yeah. Uh, what we're really watching for is, you know, some sort of, you know, spring rush. It's sure. typical that in early March that we see uh, this awakening, if you will. The weather warms up, so do shippers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, things start to get moving again. You get more consumption on the uh, retail side. People get out of their houses, start remodeling. Yeah. Industrial expend like capital expenditures start getting put into more yeah, use. Yeah. People are not as leery. Construction. Construction is now a thing, yeah. especially in the northern tier of the yeah. states. Uh, so we are looking for that, but. That being said, it's time to transition into our topic of the week. And yeah. this is a this is a decent it's not a great segue, but it's this is this Top is a five. Yeah, this is <laughs> you know, as we're watching this softness in the market, yeah. Uh the spot market itself has given us a little bit of optimism. Me myself, it's given me a little bit of optimism. You've said optimism four times a lot. And I'm shook. I you set me up. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're gonna have Tom Mallon come yeah. in. Uh, when he's ready here in a few minutes, and he is our futures expert. And he's yeah. going to help us kind of illustrate uh, what is, you know, what he's seen. You know, he's not a freight person in general. He's mm-hmm. learned a lot over the last two years working at Freight Waves. But uh, at the same time, it'll be interesting to see his perspective on what he thinks about the spot market right. and this and the transportation sector versus, you know, other sectors that he's worked in, of course. Um, so the spot market itself, do we know what the spot market is, Anthony? Zach, there's a spot market and there's a contract market, right? Right. Well, I'm guessing when there's a contract market, I sign my, it's, it's like a, a, an agreement, right? That I'm going to do this service that we both agreed to and for the set price and that it's not going to be broken, right? And in a sense, yes, that's, that's, that's what normal contracts do. Normal contracts, yeah. but, but freight <laughs> should be no different. Well, Surely. well, it's not 100% that way. Oh, boy. So the spot market itself, of course, is transactions that occur outside of a normally agreed to proposition. Yeah. So a shipper such as Target will go to, you know, Night Swift mm-hmm. and say, hey, Los Angeles to Dallas, we're going to do this for $1.65 a mile. You guys agree to this? Mm-hmm. You agree to it? Sure. Mm-hmm. 
All that means is if Knight Swift accepts that load Mm -hmm. and says, you know, on that day for the next 12 months, anytime that Target sends Knight Swift a load going from Los Angeles to Dallas, they will carry that freight for that $1.65 a mile plus a fuel surcharge or whatever it is they agreed to. Now, sometimes what happens is, you know, Target has a lane pop up that isn't on their normal routing. It's maybe it's, you know, somewhere Redding, California yeah. to uh, St. George, Utah. Yeah. They didn't set an agreement to that. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll call Knight Swift up and say, hey, can you cover this? That's outside the contractual agreement. But sometimes Night Swift is like, no, that's not under our agreement. Yeah. We can't cover it anyway because we're not set up to do it. That's, you know, again, Target has multiple carriers. But mm-hmm. for simplicity's sake, I'm going to just say that Target now doesn't have a carrier to cover this load. They then go into the spot market. And the spot market is this, you know, kind of amorphous being. <laughs> uh, it, it's basically where they call up or they put out a load on their load board. They have yeah. a load board, but they also could go out to any of the load boards, truckstop.com, DAT, uh, et cetera. There's numerous load boards out there, but they then put it into the internet mm-hmm. and say, hey, bid on this. Yeah. <laughs> and all these brokers will jump in and say, I've got a carrier that'll do it for a, you know, $2.10 a mile, $2.05 a mile, da 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 And once Target is satisfied, mm-hmm. they will then accept whichever service and rate combination that pleases them the most. Yeah. <laughs> it could be carriers, could be brokers that are handling it. Um, and so that rate is then logged into the spot market. It's normally, you know, it can be below the contracted market. Mm-hmm. It can be higher than the contracted market. Gotcha. It just depends on the market conditions. Uh, in that instance, it's probably going to be higher than the contracted market because yeah. it's outside of a, it's an irregular route, if you will. Yeah. Um, a lot of what we track here is the normal, the regular routes, yeah. Los Angeles to Dallas, Seattle to Los Angeles, Chicago to Atlanta, these major lanes, yeah. these thoroughfares, lots of traffic. Spot market during this time of period generally operates below contract rates. Gotcha. Uh, just because you get such, there's just not enough volume, carriers are desperate for capacity, et cetera. And um, they are, you know, it just drops below the contracted market. Right, right. So... And that's also below cost a lot of times. So, Zach, mm-hmm. there's a spot. We've established that. Yep. There's a contract. Does one lead the other? So, this is a great question, Anthony. It's almost like you thought about it. No. <laughs> this is all new to me. <laughs> yeah. So, the spot market drags yeah. the contracted market gotcha. in the direction that it is going in. Gotcha. Uh, we talked about this. I think I talked about this a few weeks ago. But or at least a month ago, mm-hmm. where we watched spot rates, national average spot rates. Uh, they were the two peaks last year. So yeah. you normally have a June peak and you normally have a December-ish peak. Yeah. When the June peak is lower than the December peak that year, that's a direction that's showing you directionally that the market is going higher. Gotcha. So rates are going higher than they were. Again, if you're looking at that peak mm-hmm. inverse, yeah. June is higher than December, the direction is lower. <laughs> okay. So that means that the market is softening. We saw a tremendous softening in 2019 or yeah. 2018 into 2019. That direction, okay. the the June peak in 2018 was way higher. Yeah. You're talking like 15, 20% higher. Uh, the June peak for the 2018 year. Spot rates? Yes, for yes. spot rates. Yes, we are talking spot rates. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and what has happened is all those contracts mm-hmm. that were higher last year now yeah. get dragged down. You got to see those rates come back down. Yeah. So a lot of the times that spot market activity, which again is a good indication of overall supply demand. Do you know how much of the overall freight market is operated in the spot market? Truckload. Would it be anywhere from, uh, I don't know, 60%, 70%? No, not even close. How much? It's about 15 to 20% on average. Oh, wow. Yeah. So majority of it's contract. Majority is contract. Look at that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's because shippers don't want to go out there and have to freely source yeah. <clears throat> all their transportation yeah. every day. Yeah. It's a lot of extra that's, work. Yeah. It's not efficient. Um, you know, they're, that's not their jobs either. Like they're out there making goods, uh, providing services, et cetera. <clears throat> and so the, you know, the, the idea here is that the spot market is going to tell you exactly what's going on underneath that in the contracted market. When it is going higher, that means contracted rates are, um, are bumping up. There's Tom Mallon. He can come in now. <laughs> Tom he- yeah, Tommy Mallon. Tom this is, a good, is not really. This is a great time to introduce oh Tom Mallon. Oh, my goodness. So, the man himself. Yes. Tom Mallon. Tom Mallon. Put on some headphones here. We are talking sure. about the spot and contract market and how the spot market really leads uh, contracted uh, freight pricing. So, but Tom, first off, you know, you're our futures expert, freight futures. Give a little background on yourself. Tell us, you know, where you've been, what you've been doing. Sure. Life. So, yeah, <laughs> my life. Yeah. So I've been involved in the financial markets for over 30 years. Yep. Um, started my career at an exchange, uh, the NYMEX, which right. is a futures exchange, which is now owned by the CME Group. Uh, my primary focus there was strategy um, and the contracts traded were energy. There we go. And so, um, and metals uh, right. were also traded. Um, so I was there for 13 years, um, developed a number of different markets um, electronically um, for the trading of futures. Um, and then I moved to the data side of the world. And so I ran uh, commodity, my favorites. Yeah, commodity <laughs> data businesses um, at Thomson Reuters, um, at a company called Interactive Data, and then most recently a company called Global View. Okay. And then I moved to freight waves because of is. futures. Right. Um, and uh, so really excited about the prospects. Um, you know, it's a, it's a brand new market. Um, there's never been anything like this for freight. And right. um, so really good. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking about how the spot market tends to lead the contracted market. Mm-hmm. Uh, it pulls. It has a it has a pull push pull effect. This this happens in other industries. Correct. How the spot market can kind of pull up. The costs and prices, yeah, know, depending I mean, on the activity, how long it stays there, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and so for any market, uh, a, there has to be an underlying spot price. Right. Because um, not everything can be accounted for. That's correct. Yeah. You can't, you can't possibly see when you start your year or your day or whatever it is you're doing, you can't possibly see all the variables and everything that's happening in that market. And specifically in transportation, you know, shippers out there, they... They know that they shipped 4,000 shipments last year. Mm. Maybe this year there's going to be 4,500. Maybe it's going to be 3,800. They're going to tell their carriers, we had 4,000 last year. That's all we can tell you. And it's going to be in these lanes. Things happen. Things change that you do not plan for. Anybody that's made a budget (laughs) knows that budgets fail every single year because Mm. you don't have a crystal ball. It doesn't work that way. And so 
<clears throat> in those instances, that's why there is this overflow and underflow, <laughs> if you will, of spot market activity in just about any industry that you see. Mm-hmm. And that would that be accurate? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, markets are generally driven by supply and demand, right? Uh, which creates the ebb and flow of price <laughs> that you were just describing, or loads, right? Um, and so, and that gets reflected in the underlying markets, right. and that's where futures come in. Um, because it can help manage, you know, that ebb and flow of price or volatility. And so, um, so, but the underlying spot price, Mm -hmm. um, is what gets represented in the futures, um, on a forward curve. Right. And, and the forward curve of course is the, uh, you know, every month's potential price that's correct you know and you know that goes out to 16 months 16 months so what it represents is a market's view today mm-hmm. of what a price could be in the future right so the participants think that it's going to go from you know it's a dollar 65 this month on average and then in december next year it's they're thinking it's going to be a dollar 81 per mm-hmm. mile on average so this is a good way you know it's a good tool for people to use to you know essentially say you know what i budgeted for a dollar eighty-one, and I'm okay with that. If you're a shipper, you could be like, "Okay, I'm going to lock this in. I'm going to say this is going to be a dollar eighty-one in December, at least at this amount of of mileage, etc." Um, and again, we don't know what's going to happen next year. Right. But like, we we've been in a very flat period of time, correct? Yes. I mean, <laughs> if you if you look at the forward curve today, yeah. Um, I mean, we're sitting in a spot price of about a dollar thirty-nine nationally. Mm-hmm. You look at the forward curve going out, go. going out 16 months, uh, 16 months from now, the curve is $1.42. So you're Not talking about, you know, a three cents swing 16 months out. But along the curve, you've got a 15%, uh, 15 cent upward spike. Ah. Middle of, of this year is what the forward curve so is June. looking like. Yep. And then towards the back end, you know, it's back down to a dollar. 40. Wow. That's so, fascinating. Yeah. So people are expecting a pretty big second quarter mm-hmm. peak. Uh, again, by, if you go by that, then you're going to see, you know, basically a nice uh, summer session. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go back directionally almost downward, mm-hmm. uh, which is fascinating to me because I think most analysts out there are projecting the market to basically have this uh, slow upward progression. Mm-hmm. You know, I myself think that we're going to have, uh, you know, a little bit better second quarter than the first quarter. But I think by the second half of the year, I think we're going to start to see things ramp up a little bit more. We're going to have some election results that are going to mm-hmm. come in, and you're going to see that have an impact mm-hmm. overall. But I also think there is a pent-up demand. Uh, there's a lot of pent-up energy in the uh, overall economy. Now, we were just talking about coronavirus mm-hmm. uh, and its impact to this first half of the year. We think it may have actually delayed mm-hmm. some of that onset. Yep. You know, Stiefel and Ra- people like Ravi Shanker uh, have projected that this is going to have a bit of a bubbling effect yep. on the economy. There's going to be a lull here early, and then there's going to be this big recovery mm-hmm. session. I don't know if that's, you can recover all of it. And, and I think you're seeing, actually, you see that reflected in the forward curve, right. um, where you're looking at, um, you know, very soft rates mm-hmm. uh, into the April-May time frame before you start to see an upswing um, in rates mm-hmm. into the summertime, right. Um, a little bit of lull again into the third quarter, but right. then holiday season kicks in and you see, you see the curve, uh, ramp up again. Okay. So, so I, I think that's reflected in the curve. And the other thing with the curve you have to remember too, is 
it's a sentiment. It's, it's a reflection of sentiment right. at a given point in time. Um, and the curve does change um, on a daily basis mm-hmm. because pricing information, fundamental information you know, make its way in, into the market. And what you've seen actually over the last three months is the curve actually has shifted higher. Ah, uh, so there is a little bit of optimism. So there is optimism. About it. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I guess maybe an optimism for the carrier. Yeah. And maybe the broker a little bit, not necessarily the shipper. Yeah. Yeah. The shipper does think, I think the shipper realizes at time they are, they are definitely getting a trough, uh, you know, like we're seeing now, but they're that those don't last, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think that something that we can all get kind of lulled into is this false sense of security. Mm-hmm. And the longer that we were in a flat situation, mm-hmm. I've seen it numerous times before, the longer you're in a stable environment, the harder it is when the, when it breaks out. Yep. You know, you've probably seen this. Numerous oh, no, times. I, I, absolutely. And, um, I, I think when you look at where we're at today with rates, I mean, if you go back to the first trade mm-hmm. of, of trucking freight futures, um, the first contract traded at dollar 34 a mile. We're sitting at a dollar thirty nine uh, today. Still so, <laughs> yeah, but and 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 the, we're a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at like where is the floor? I mean, we got to be very close to the floor. And if you look at the curve, uh, there is no point on the curve going sixteen months forward that's lower than where we're at today. Oh wow! So you know so there is there's definitely optimism. Look at that, or or skepticism at that, True. depending on who you are. So. <laughs> You know, I, th- I think that's quite telling, especially, you know, again, we've, we're talking about the spot market today and how much it pulls up rates. So maybe there's people out there that say, well, I don't operate on the spot market. Well, you probably do. You just don't realize you're maybe you're calling a carrier, et cetera. But there will be a day where that carrier that you rely on in your first or second position does not show up. Right. It happened to me. Yeah. We were we were a carrier. Yeah. And I sure didn't trust the carriers, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, we, I was in an LTL, uh, space for 15 years and we had a line haul department. We outsourced. So we were effectively a shipper mm-hmm. and there were numerous times where the carriers literally just didn't show up. Uh, and of course the more niche the carrier is reefer, yeah. uh, flatbed, et cetera, they are more, pro- they're more volatile <laughs> because yeah. there's less of them. Uh, and they won't, you know, there's less of them. So that means that there's a chance that they won't show up as much. And then that's when you enter the spot market. And the more the times that happens, the higher the spot market rate goes yeah. because all these people are simultaneously calling each other and the carriers are out there saying, well, I can go get this rate over here now. I'm going to cover this first because they're giving me a dollar 40 a mile. I was only getting a dollar 38 over here. <laughs> and so the, the pattern repeats yeah. and repeats. And the more that you get that, the higher the contract rate eventually goes, especially if it stays elevated beyond the peaks of your June and your, and your December peak levels, uh, that will pull up your contracted accounts. And we are seeing signs that everybody generally thinks that by the end of the year, we're going to have a stronger back half of 2020 than, you know, looking at the futures market, they're, they're thinking that we will, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And looking at some of our data, we think we will. Mm-hmm. There's just these little hurdles. Again, we don't know, uh, but there's these little hurdles that are showing up here in the early part of the year, especially revolving around China. Will it be a, ga- a game changer? Yeah. I don't think it'll be any long-term game changer because they were already plateauing on all that kind of stuff. But as that, we need that industrial economy, Anthony Smith. Yeah. Yeah. The industrial segment is really going to be uh, an area that I think that's going to be 
watch closely over the second half of 2020 mm-hmm. and definitely during the mid part. Um, but yeah, it's really been a lagging component. Mm-hmm. Um, we've really been leaning heavily on the consumer, especially mm-hmm. towards uh, the latter half of 2019. Uh, the first parts of 2020 so far, they've hold, held up. Consumer confidence is still pretty high despite um, numerous headlines. Um, we have new consumer confidence numbers, I think, coming out next Monday, sometime next week, early mm-hmm. next week, I believe. Right. Um, last set of, of survey data points, it didn't uh, really fully, I think, capture the latest from the sonar. So this is going to be an interesting to see how impacted consumers are feeling yeah. um, from all the cons- uh, concerns around the coronavirus. Is is this going to be a small blip as many other things that were expected to impact consumers and they're just going to keep chugging along like nothing ever happened and take this one to the chin and just keep, you know. Americans are resilient, I think. They are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they don't seem to, they don't, I mean, we're so jaded in America. Now, I don't think that other parts of the world are as resilient mm-hmm. in terms of, well, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it resilient as it would be oblivious <laughs> yeah. um, to uh, certain things. But uh, Tom, what do you think about, you know, do you think coronavirus is going to have any lasting impacts into what you see? I mean, we're seeing it. It's not really affecting. I mean, future. you're seeing it today. I yeah. mean, it is definitely reflected at least short term. Mm-hmm. Um, the futures markets over the last two weeks mm-hmm. have been, you know, trending lower. Right. Um, so that, and- that's not just like next month's going to be lower. You're talking about like next month's lower, but it, it may be like lower than people are trading it down. It's being, yeah, it's, it's, it's being, it's being offered down. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and that's directly related mm-hmm. to the coronavirus. Um, and, you know, and that's what market participants are telling me. Yeah. Um, and so I think over the short term, we're going to continue to see that. But again, the futures for curve, it, it, it turns optimistic. Yep. In six weeks or so time frame, it turns okay. optimistic again. So that's fascinating because we can actually see. And, and the good thing about futures markets is they kind of tell you what a lot of people are thinking. Uh, you know, you're, you're basically getting a lot of other. You well, know, it's a consensus. Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a market. It's like a survey. It's, it's consensus. Yeah. And the consensus changes. Um, it can change daily. It'll change weekly. Uh, but it is a market view and it is a, on rates. And it is a stronger, it's stronger than just simply a survey. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that, but it's basically where people are putting their money. Yes, exactly. They're putting their money on it, yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's a stronger, to me, that's a stronger value in terms of overall market. Sentiment. Exactly. And that's, you know, that is one of the core benefits of a futures market is not only the ability to manage uh, exposure, but to have a view um, where rates potentially could go right. uh, out into the future. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that sums it up. I mean, the spot yeah. market itself is, you know, a good measure of where the overall freight economy is moving, what trucking is, what's happening on trucking, et cetera. You know, we're obviously in kind of a lull, a trough, January, February, not my favorite months. Anthony loves them. Start to a new year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we don't expect any real short-term recovery coronavirus looks like it's going to have an impact to first half results uh we should check that out well, you know we'll talk about that later mm-hmm. uh but anthony do we have any other economic re- uh, results over the last week or so boy do we oh, i man. mean um there's give a me, few things give us give give the people what they need some optimism all right um <laughs> so there's one thing it's it's concerning um oh, so well, maybe not <laughs> maybe i'm the one that needs to talk <laughs> perhaps <laughs> yeah. um so one of the things i think uh we touched on 20, end of 2019, I know during our monthly uh, webinars and our Sonar monthly market updates and things like that, 
was the state of the consumer. And because consumer is feeling so confident, the thing that we have to be really watchful and, and kind of mindful of is their spending because they're feeling confident. Jobs, uh, security is very high right now. Confidence in that. Do we see the quit rate is still pretty elevated? Consumers are feeling confident and finding new roles. Unemployment levels at historical lows. Participation rate is getting up there. Still Mm kind of low, but getting up there. Right. Um, But they're spending. And discretionary income hasn't quite grown at that same rate. And so... Little credit action happening. Some here. credit action is happening because everybody's overconfident. This El- happens every single time. Yeah. Once you have too much time between a recession, between recessions, yeah, everybody gets excited. They're yeah. like overconfident in their ability to spend and have money, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, and so we're seeing, we're starting to see that kind of bubble grow we're again. Some debt, so mm-hmm. that kind of surged up lately. Um, yep. So the latest numbers from the Federal Reserve shows that debt surged in uh, 2019 overall. And that household debt increased by $601 billion in 2019. So now totaling $14.2 trillion roughly. So this is the largest annual increase since... Don't say it. 2007. Oh. Yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> I said it. So um, the other big part of this is that a lot of those that debt, I don't know if you want to guess what it was fueled by. Housing? mortgages yeah okay the doomsday music you know but but that's that's okay so the big the big part is is that delinquency rates are much lower and we have different uh practices in place so a lot more regulations behind this scenario So you can't go out and like do the big short yeah on the housing market no find all those bad mortgage loans Mm -hmm. out there sitting buried in some of the better mortgage loans and then sell them off go watch the big short if you want to know what i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it's a fantastic movie (laughs) a lot different environment yeah it explains the uh 2007 2008 Mm -hmm. housing market crisis is that on netflix i don't know used to be on netflix i think should be yeah i think it was great might still be yeah um but that that's going to be a concerning area to watch um but the good thing is is that delinquency rates are low Mm -hmm. Other thing is when you're looking at unemployment rates and we look at these job reports, the, uh, the thing to be mindful of is the quality of those jobs. As one of the other things we talked about in 2019, are these going to be high paying jobs that are going to be able to support consumer spending? And is there going to be a lot leaning on consumer credit? And that's one of the things that we were worried about. And this is what we're seeing now. Um, so the good thing is, is that we don't we're not seeing those consumer uh, delinquency rates skyrocketing or rising so that's going to be something to watch closely but when a consumer is feeling confident they're spending more that means more freight is going throughout the country mm-hmm. and that means more spending on goods and services so mm-hmm. that means more economic growth that means more expansion especially as we're seeing a lot of a, a, a slowdown on the manufacturing segment overall right. um also the fannie mae the good folks at fannie mae they put out the home purchase sentiment index oh man they all those feelings it. I love it. I love it. I feeling, love the feelings. Anthony loves feelings. <laughs> I like I like I like to just see what's happening. Yeah. Give me the facts. We put it together and it's a nice pairing. <laughs> it's a nice pairing. So I'm gonna pair this one together. That home purchase sentiment index, it's been rising. Um it's still strong. So that that's hints, it signals that consumers are still feeling uh confident about Would you say house. overconfident? I want to say overconfident. They're feeling strongly. They're feeling strongly about buying a house. They want to buy a house, um, primarily entry-level homes. So for folks like Zach, um, the data behind it, housing starts are still strong. So housing starts end of the year, very strong. Um, I think near a 12, 13-year high. Um, so that was a great thing to see. So latest, they, 
They are putting their money where their mouth is. They are. They are. So it's a good thing to see. Um, so we expect to see this uh, to really kind of persist throughout the year, especially into spring. Uh, the latest numbers for housing starts were around uh, about three point something percent decline this last month. Mm-hmm. That came out this morning. Not surprising after such a strong month last month. Right. Um, so we're gonna we're still optimistic um, because those numbers are still very impressive. Um, that's gonna lead to more construction spending again. Those, those consumers fill those new homes with stuff, more activity for van and flatbed for those for those building materials. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, um, we, we already kind of touched on the industrial segment, industrial economy, not doing well. We just had the latest numbers from industrial production did not uh, impress at all. No. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be watching that one closely, but I really don't expect that one to really come online yeah. um, anytime soon in the in the next month or so but i think by in the second quarter we might start to see some upward momentum building there all right all right so reasons for optimism from anthony smith yes <laughs> you can't yes. you can't just tell us that everything's you know not, i mean credit bubbles and stuff like that or yeah. you know nothing to worry about <laughs> um never had those before no no what's... um so you know that that about wraps things up for this week but yeah. we do have one more thing to cover okay. now walmart just came out with some disappointing earnings. Yes. Uh, they, you know, Walmart, one of the biggest shippers in the United States, responsible for tons of freight movements on their own fleet as well as other people's uh, fleets. And, you know, again, they did have year-over-year growth, just a little bit lower than, uh, you know, analyst estimates. Uh, you know, you've probably dealt with analysts before mm-hmm. on this regard. I personally have trouble with some of these because they're based on you know, feelings in general. And I'm not, I'm not one to think uh, about forecasting in terms of feelings. I like to see actual numbers that show me direction, just like we were talking about with the spot market. Uh, so they did have some growth. It wasn't as robust as everybody expected. Wah, wah. Mm. And, but Walmart itself is a behemoth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it controls a lot of retail spending. Uh, but the debate we had, you know, we had this oh, several boy, months ago. Time. We had yeah. this several months ago was, you know, Target is also a large shipper. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy Target. Yeah. And Target is, you know, again, retail giant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there is some data behind this that I, I want to talk about a little bit. Please. In the, in the way that, you know, Walmart, we talked about Walmart or Target. Mm-hmm. Which one is more recession proof? Walmart. By... <laughs> was that a question? Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> so why? Because that's it. They usually offer much lower price point, mm-hmm. larger. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, they're not getting kicked out of Canada. There's another one. Okay. Um, I love Target, but they, I don't think they'll be able to compete with Walmart on pricing, especially on the grocery section, although they are growing. Mm-hmm. I've done some grocery shopping at Target. But I think when uh, we're seeing any kind of impact on the consumer side, say uh, those delinquency rates start getting a little bit up there, confidence level starts dropping, they don't have that disposable income anymore. They're not feeling as confident. I'm going to Walmart over Target for the better deals. Oh, Tom, do you have an opinion on this one? Um, I am a Walmart guy as okay. well, so um, and not so much a Target guy. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy Target. I, I love going in there. They have some of the best shopping carts in the game. One. <laughs> And then I like going in there smelling that fresh popcorn. Dude, I've never Target, even had the Target the shopping carts are way superior. Don't don't do that. Oh but, yeah, they are. I no. love the I love the Target shopping carts. No, Target shopping carts yeah. are way superior. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh I thought you said Walmart. No, I'm no, sorry. no, no. The Target like, shopping carts. Some of the best shopping carts in the game. They're smooth <laughs> they almost smooth. every time. I want one at home. 
So, so if you notice, there's a common link between what's going on in this room right here. Mm -hmm. What do we all have in common? We're market experts. We're men. Mm -hmm. We're men. There's no women in here. Yeah. And this is why I feel like Target mm. is still, it's like the cockroach of the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> there is no way uh -huh. that my wife mm -hmm. will stop going to Target mm -hmm. ever. Okay. And having been in Walmarts and enjoyed the people of Walmart numerous times, I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact yeah. that there are enough of these women out there, mm -hmm. they will not let Target die. Mm. And they will go down fighting. I don't care if they have to put all their money on their credit card. Just yeah. like we were talking about a minute yeah, ago yeah. with the housing. Yeah. That credit bubble will go to a million infinity as long as they can get into that Target. Now, there is a little bit of me that it's coming around a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. Because what you said about the grocery side mm -hmm. of, of Walmart is is actually growing quite well. Yeah. Target's got that food too. They do. They do. But the, my favorite food, not even a big, is the popcorn. Yep. I love the popcorn smell. <laughs> and, and, but but I, I do think um, Target loyalty, that's the thing. That's it's the real. Thing. It's real. It's real. I enjoy going to Target. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I can get the same item mm -hmm. at Target as I can at Walmart. I just feel better spending an extra 60, 70 cents on Target. I'm like, yeah, I got it from Target. What? You know? That's, 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 just, that's but if, if times are tight, I'm going to Walmart. And then if times are even tighter and I'm and there's something that I usually get at at, at Target, mm -hmm. I might open up the old smartphone, mm -hmm. activate that Amazon Prime. See, you are totally hedged. In any spending environment, you yeah. are totally hedged. Yeah. It all comes back around. Yeah, Amazon. Now Amazon has the Amazon Essentials. You can get Amazon socks. They have clothes now. You know what? It doesn't even matter. You know who we need to ask about this? 14-year-old uh, girls. Because they drive well, they the economy. Run the world. Yes, they run the world. I'm going to go ask my daughter, who's who's 10 now. She's starting to be in that demographic. Please have I'm her write up a report. I'm going to ask her. I was like, Target or Walmart, Addy, mm. and we're going to make it happen. Yeah. All right. They run the world. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's yeah. Freedonomics. Wow. So hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Again, yeah. thanks for watching on LinkedIn. Shout out to our production team, too. Yeah. Emma, the intern Emma, running the show and everything. Making and it happen. Connor Thank you, Tom, for joining us this Tom, week. for having me. Yeah. It was a great show. So everybody have a great week and tune in next week, 2 p.m. on yeah. Wednesdays, Eastern Time. Of yeah. course, we're getting close to that time change. Yeah, so, yeah. Anthony. Zach. I'll see you here in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> wow, thanks for joining <laughs> Come out. Bring him a spot out. <laughs> Target versus Walmart. Walmart versus Target. <laughs> Target's going to win. Versus my phone. Exactly. Exactly. That's going to be the winner. Well, it is the winner.